Well, we continue this morning uh, with our fall sermon series, uh, Rhythms and Roots, and actually we are nearing the end of it. Uh, we will wrap that series up next Sunday. Rhythms and Roots. And our text this morning uh, will be familiar to many, if not most of you. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. And as Mark Uh, Alluded to earlier in his prayer today, we pick up with the rhythm of praying. Praying. Now, I realize as we get to this topic, for many there is already an objection. Whoa, I have tried prayer and it just does not work. I can think of numbers of people that I've had that conversation with. A conversation with myself about it. I prayed and it just doesn't seem to work. Maybe you don't object, but you're now skeptical. Okay, what are we going to learn about prayer today? But what do you mean when you say that you've tried prayer? Have you really prayed? Have I really prayed? Have we really prayed as Jesus teaches us to pray? Okay, another question. Do you know the difference between dish soap that you have next to the sink and dishwasher detergent? Oh, I do now. (laughs) Actually, I I learned that lesson through a friend of mine uh, several years ago. It was the the summer between my junior and senior year of college. Uh, Three of us guys, me and my friends uh, Bill and Richard, we're living in the house of one of our professors. I have no idea why he, why he entrusted us with his house, but he did. He uh, left the country to, to teach in Russia, and there were the three of us uh, young men taking care. I don't know if that's the right word. Living in his house. Now, Bill and I had used the, the dishwasher uh, multiple times, and, and Bill and I were in, in a class together. We were taking the summer management program, and Richard had a summer job. And I remember one day when Bill and I came home, Richard met us at the door. And he said, guys, the dishwasher doesn't work. And we said, no, it works. We've been using it. He said, no, 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 come into the kitchen. And we walked in. And I mean, there were suds, bubbles. It was wet all over the entire floor. We're like, what did you do? He said, I I took that that, that thing of soap next to the sink and I put it in. Richard, that's the wrong stuff. Of course, the dishwasher doesn't work when you put the wrong stuff in it. And that's the way it is with prayer. When we put the wrong stuff in our prayer, it just doesn't work. But the good news is, is that Jesus teaches us to pray. A lesson that we will continue to learn for the rest of our lives. And in the passage where we are, we see that Jesus will will teach us a couple of wrong ways to pray, and then the way that we should pray. And since we're going to be talking about prayer, it is probably best that we start in prayer, and then we'll hear his word. So our good and gracious God, uh, we do look to you this morning. And just as your first disciples requested, we too ask, Lord, teach us to pray. We ask that you would do that this morning, uh, that you would awaken our hearts, that you would renew them in communion with you, 
through the gift of prayer. So open your word now to us. We ask it in Jesus. Amen. So now I invite you to hear the word of God from Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. This is Jesus speaking. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many, many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the perfect word of God. So let's turn to it now. Again, we come this morning to the rhythm of praying. Jesus teaches us about prayer. Two wrong ways to pray and then four gateways to prayer. That's the way we're going to look at it this morning. Two wrong ways to pray and four gateways to prayer. So let's start where Jesus starts uh, with two wrong ways to pray. Now this first section, verses 5 through 8. And here we encounter what, what I'm calling the prayer of public recognition and the prayer of anxious acquisition. So the prayer of public recognition and the prayer of anxious acquisition. And I'm going to go through, through these rather quickly for the sake of time because I want us to get to the heart of the matter, and that's what we know is the Lord's Prayer. And so first we come across the prayer of public recognition. Verse 5. And when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, did you hear that? Verse 5. They pray, and I quote, they pray that they may be seen, that they may be seen by others, that they might be admired and praised. You know, it's a show. Uh, for them, prayer is a performance. They want to be very important, extra spiritual. And so that's what they use the, the platform of prayer for. Now, Jesus isn't saying that public prayer is wrong. I mean, he prayed publicly. We pray publicly in our services here. He's not saying that. What Jesus is getting at 
in verses 5 and 6 is that honest, authentic public prayer is always rooted in honest, authentic private prayer. There has to be a real personal relationship with God. Not just putting on airs when you come before people, but that you are truly rooted in time with God alone. Because you see, the issue at hand is the heart, not the platform. Okay, so that's the first wrong way to pray according to Jesus. The second, the prayer of anxious acquisition, uh, verses 7 and 8. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Okay, and do you see why they're praying? Verse 7, they pray, and again I quote, they pray that they may be heard. They think that they will not be heard unless they pray in this way, and what what we actually are being presented with is a, a faithless plea. For them, prayer is about grasping something. You you see, whereas the first wrong way is about getting recognition before people, the second wrong way is grasping in desperation. It is a constant pleading, using wordy language, praying the same thing over and over and over with greater and greater intensity. Please, Lord, hear me. Now, it makes me think of my seventh grade math teacher. Not that she prayed in our math class, but I remember so clearly she would write a math problem on the board. There was always a question from the class. And the way that she answered our question is she would say the exact same thing that she had just said over and over and over, getting louder and louder and louder, as if that was going to help her be heard. Didn't work. But we often pray like that, believing that God doesn't hear us. And when we pray like that, we might call it the the constant repetition of worry. The constant repetition of worry in hopes that God will finally, finally hear us. And the way that we think we know that he hears us is if he does exactly what we're asking in the way that we want to see it done praying the same thing over and over and over with greater and greater intensity. Now that is often my error, uh, the direction that I tend to out of those two. And so for many, as we pray like that, our hearts may be sincere, but our theology is really messed up. Because what Jesus points to is it's messed up because we're praying as if the second part of verse 8 isn't true. Jesus says, do not pray like that, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He knows better than you what you need. You see, the issue at hand, again, it's the heart. It's not so much about the number of words. Clearly, Jesus Himself poured out His heart in long periods of prayer. But it's about the posture of our hearts. So that's the second wrong way to pray. Two wrong ways to pray. Which characterizes your struggle the most? 
Is it the prayer of public recognition? Uh, seeking to be seen, admired by others? It doesn't just have to happen in a, up front behind a pulpit. It can be before others around a, a dinner table or in a small group. Seeking to be seen. Or is it, do you struggle with this prayer of anxious acquisition? Pleading to be heard, grasping for stuff because you're, you're just really not sure that God really cares. Well, two wrong ways to pray, Jesus points out. But the good news is he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us in the dark about prayer. Jesus teaches us to pray. And we learn from Jesus that prayer is not about using God, but about knowing God. And being known by him. Jesus says, don't pray like this. Don't pray like that. But when you pray, verse 9, pray then like this. In this way, according to these priorities, along these lines. And then we're introduced to the Lord's Prayer. This is the only time that the disciples make any request of Jesus that we have recorded in Scripture. Not teach us how to lead, teach us how to counsel, teach us how to preach, teach us how to evangelize, teach us how to disciple or cast out demons. Lord, teach us to pray. And here, a mere 57 words. That's it. 57 words in the original Greek. And it's a very simple outline. An opening address followed by six petitions. Well, today, in a very practical way, we're going to look at the overall flow of the prayer, to direct our prayer, it, it, the rhythm of prayer that Jesus invites us into, uh, using four headings that I discovered in my study of this prayer. Uh, we'll look at what Jesus invites us into through what, what I'm calling four gateways to prayer. Four gateways to prayer, adoring, aligning, asking, adhering. Adoring, aligning, asking, and, and adhering. But where do we usually start? I mean, we go straight for the asking. Okay, you say, well, no, I actually address God first. Yeah, but we move on. Hey, God, and we pull out the list. You didn't get to it yesterday, so could you get to it today? We go straight for asking. Friends, that is putting the wrong stuff in the dishwasher. It doesn't work. It's going to make a mess. And so let's follow the way that Jesus himself teaches us to pray. And here's where we begin. Adoring. Verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Adoring our heavenly Father. That's where we start. Taking delight in, being amazed by seeing and savoring him. Jesus shows us from the get-go that prayer is fundamentally about relationship. It's about relating to a God who cares. It's not about getting something, but about knowing someone. And Jesus gives us a, a radical, because it's a relational, a radical relational invitation to us, for us to join with him, the eternal son of God, to join with him in calling God our father. 
It's an invitation into awe and intimacy at the same time. When we pray with Jesus, we pray to our Heavenly Father who loves us as children with an undying love. As one scholar notes, we are not mere servants of the Master. We are children, children loved by a father. In fact, the first word of the prayer is father. In English, the first word is our, but in the original, the first word is father. Pater in Greek, Abba in Aramaic, Daddy in English. Jesus teaches us to address the holy, sovereign God of the universe as father. Our father in heaven. In heaven, on the throne, our Father is on the throne, and now we have access to the throne. The throne of the universe, the throne of grace. The one who spoke the Grand Canyon into existence, and well beyond that, who spoke every star, every galaxy, the entire universe, invites you and me as beloved children to come to him, to sit in his lap as a child to a father and to speak to him, to hear from him. Jesus' radical invitation to us is an invitation into awe and intimacy. It's a wonder. Jesus himself says so profoundly in John 14, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So look to Jesus. It's as if Jesus is saying, the Father is just like me. Come to me and come to your heavenly Father who loves you. And so this is the first thing we go after. Not our long list. What we were created to go after is the God who comes after us. And when we pray, we pray, hallowed be your name. You, Heavenly Father, you are infinite, transcendent, holy. Father, would you reveal who you are? Would you let me see you more? Make yourself known to me, to my family and friends, to your church, through the, throughout the entire world. And so we're invited to marvel at his character, his creativity, his beauty, his majesty, his power, his approachability, his love, his mercy, and grace. And if we don't begin here, then prayer just doesn't work. Jesus teaches us that prayer begins with adoration, adoring the almighty God who is our heavenly Father. Okay, so now, now do we get to the list. Now do we get to ask for what we really want, what we, what we need. Jesus says, not yet. Your heart's not ready yet. Your heart needs to be aligned with your Father's heart, your good Father's heart. And so, aligning, verse 10. We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And as we pray this here, what's happening is we're aligning our hearts with God's heart. We're trusting, or we're at least growing in our trust, that God truly knows what we really need. So we began the prayer by adoring our Heavenly Father. And so now the question before us is this. Okay, you know that He is your loving Father, or at least you're becoming more convinced of it. But do you really, when push comes to shove, do you really trust Him? Okay, it's like a four-year-old child with their 40-year-old dad. I know something of this. My kids know that I love them. But do they really, really trust me? Uh, For example, hey, Dad, you know it's almost Christmas. Dad, you know what I really, really want for Christmas? Dad, you know what I need for Christmas? I really want an official Red Ryder carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle. And I say, no, son, because you'll shoot your eye out. See, you all know why. But when we ask, and God doesn't give what we really, really, really think we need, how do we respond? Same way that a young kid responds. You're a bad dad. You don't really care. You don't really love me, do you? Because if you did, this is what you'd give me. We need our hearts aligned and trusting the Father. Uh, famed missionary E. Stanley Jones said this, and I've, I've quoted it before, I, I love this quote, prayer is surrender. Surrender to the will of God and cooperation with that will. If I throw out a boat hook, an anchor, if I throw out an anchor from the boat and catch hold of the shore and pull, do I pull the shore to myself or do I pull myself to the shore? Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but the aligning of my will to the will of God. You see, our trust in God grows as our hearts are aligned with his. But when I get to this point in the prayer, I recognize my heart is not aligned. At least often it's not aligned. And so this is an appropriate place for me to confess my proclivity to be self-absorbed, to want it my way right away. My inclination to, to seek my kingdom and my will rather than God's. And note that we're praying on earth as it is in heaven. We're invited to pray heaven to earth, not the other way around. Heavenly Father, reveal yourself. Reveal who you are on earth as it is in heaven. Set the world right on earth as it is in heaven. Father, fulfill your good pleasures. What's best on earth as it is in heaven? Abba, Father, not my will, but yours be done in my life, through my life, in and through the lives of my family and friends, the church, throughout the whole world, on earth, Lord, as it is in heaven. Come, Lord Jesus, come.
and our hearts become more and more aligned with the heart of God. Jesus teaches us that prayer begins with adoration of our Heavenly Father. And then it picks up steam. We gain momentum as our trust in God's person and purposes grows. Because they are what's best. And so now, having grown in our loving our Heavenly Father and trusting in His good and perfect purposes, now, now we're ready to ask for His provision for our needs. Asking, verses 11 to 13. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, you may have noticed we've been asking already. We've been asking to know God. We've been asking to see his glory. But now, now we're asking specifically for us and for our needs. We're now asking for daily provision, relational repair, protection, deliverance when we fall, when we're attacked. And note, it's not only asking for my needs, but it's also asking for the needs of others. Give us, forgive us, lead us and deliver us. And all of these needs, for you, for me, for for everyone throughout the world, these are daily needs. We need he provides every moment of every day. That's what we sang a moment ago. I need thee every hour, every moment of every day. Doesn't always feel that way, though, does it? But think about it this way. How long can you hold your breath? Okay, probably not long enough to last through this short sermon illustration. But you have needed to take a breath every moment of every day since the moment you were born. And you will continue to need to do so for the rest of your life. You you just can't store up enough breaths. You can't store up enough breaths to, to just cover you for the rest of the week or the rest of the day or the rest of the hour. You're dependent on breathing every moment of every day, even though you're not always aware of it, even though it doesn't always feel that way, you are. And in the same way, you and I, we were created to remain dependent on God every moment of every day. Daily dependence. That's how life works. That's what prayer is all about. But it's so easy for us to be fooled, especially with all that we have in this country. Don't be fooled by the gift of being able to buy groceries weekly rather than daily. Don't be fooled by that. You need him daily, and he provides daily. Daily physical sustenance, daily relational care, daily spiritual rescue. And so here we are. We're praying these last three petitions. We're praying, Father, provide For our daily needs. You know what we need. Please provide. Thank you that you do. And Lord continually restore. Our friendship with with you. We, We know that we have been justified by grace. But we know that our sin. Puts strain in relationship with you. And with others. And so restore our friendship with you. While we 
continually learn to forgive as we've been forgiven. And Father, protect us. Protect us from ourselves, our sinful ways, and deliver us from the devil. And remember, when we pray, all that we're asking, we are always asking as children, beloved children of a loving Father who is willing and able to provide exactly, exactly what we need. And what we need, what we need most, more than anything else, is to grow in grace, to become more like Jesus. In other words, to be people who adhere to grace. The flow of prayer, the four gateways to prayer, adoring, aligning, asking, and now adhering. Adhering, verses 14 and 15. Jesus finishes teaching us to pray and then says this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Startling, isn't it? I mean, I kind of like the prayer up until that point. What, Jesus, what are you doing here? Why would he make such a jarring statement after such a beautiful prayer? Why? It's because of this. It's because forgiveness and reconciliation are at, the, are at the heart of the gospel, and we have got to get that. He's echoing verse 12 again here in 14 and 15. What Jesus is getting at is that if we refuse to forgive others, then we're not ourselves truly receiving God's forgiveness of us. That's the evidence that we're presenting. I'm not really receiving if I'm not forgiving. And so we need, we desperately need to receive and extend daily forgiveness for daily sins. You see, to live as forgiven and forgiving people is to be people who adhere to grace. You know, it's like flies stuck on flypaper. You've seen that stuff hanging down. The flies just stick to it. We need to adhere to the gospel. Or even better, David Letterman. The Velcro suit, the Velcro wall, who's seen that? I mean, that thing's been going on for probably 30 years. But David Letterman put, put on, he's probably the first one to do it, but he puts on the, a, a suit that's got half of the Velcro, and then there's a wall with the other half of the Velcro, and in between there's a small trampoline. And he runs and he jumps. Whoosh! And he's stuck. Friends, that's what we need to do with the gospel. We need to wear it. We need to jump into it every moment of every day. Knowing that our sins are forgiven in Christ. Resting in our restored relationship with our Heavenly Father. And then extending that same mercy and grace to those around us. We cling to the cross of Jesus, forgiving as we've been forgiven, living through him, not in and of ourselves, but through him.
That's adhering to the gospel. So Jesus teaches us to pray. Adoring, aligning, asking, adhering. Now I want to be very clear here. These are not four steps to a better prayer life. It's not about a mechanical technique. In fact, that's part of the problem with the second wrong way to pray that Jesus was getting at. This is more about the rhythm, the flow of relating to God in prayer. And, and, and so are each of these parts, are each of them, are, are they a significant part of your relating to your Heavenly Father? Just the flow of your relating in and out throughout the day. Because as you live in daily dependence on Him, it's not about praying to be seen. It's not about praying to be heard. It's about praying to be known and to know. To know our Heavenly Father. This is the rhythm of prayer. Keeping us rooted in the gospel of God's grace. And so let's do that now. Let's turn to Him in prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. And we pray, our Father in heaven, our loving Father, Abba, Daddy, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best. Father, we pray as it is in heaven, so be it. On earth. Provide for us. Father provide for us our daily needs. You know what we need. Continually restore our friendship with you. While we continually learn to forgive. As we've been forgiven. And we thank you. And Father protect us. Protect us from ourselves. And deliver us from the devil. For yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.